You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. All right, so it is Saturday. It is also my birthdays. So, you know, today's all about me. I'm just going to be telling you about my life and my dreams and aspirations, and tomorrow we'll talk about... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't even care about that. Besides, you already know my aspirations. It's to get you bums to support me on Patreon so I can quit my job and do this full-time. End of story. Moving on. After that riveting piece, um, today we were talking a little bit more in-depth about uh, the Packers and Giants game, especially the injury report. That changes quite a few things because some people have already been ruled out, and um, there's some pretty pivotal pieces, in my opinion. Not pivotal in the same way that pivotal for the 49ers was supposed to be, where this is a really good team who lost some really good pieces but still has a lot of good pieces. This is a really bad team who has a couple good pieces and a couple decent pieces, and a few of the decent pieces are out. So, I don't know how they compare to each other, but that's the situation. As fur as preliminaries, let me just check right quick. Oh, actually, really, 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 really important. Now, everybody listen close. Everybody listen now. Don't be zoning out. This is very important. Everybody shut your brain hole for a minute and pay attention. We do have a winner for the signed Dorsey Levens giveaway. I repeat, somebody won a signed Dorsey Levens jersey, and all they have to do is message me today saying, I heard that I won something. Please send it to me free of charge. You need to do it by today because today is the last day because it was, what, three, four days ago now that I told you about it? The winner of the signed Dorsey Levens giveaway, Kagar underscore 21. I've never had to pass somebody up and give it to somebody else. And I'm not going to feel good about it, but I am going to honor the rules. If I wake up tomorrow morning and I don't have a message on Instagram from Kagar 21 saying, Hey, I want my jersey, loser. In those exact words... We're going to do another drawing. We'll have a new winner. Looks like potentially your real name is Crystal, in case you don't know what your Instagram handle is. I'm not going to say your last name. That's weird. Dodgers fan. Any of that ringing a bell? So Crystal, a.k.a. Kagar. Look forward to hearing from you today. Um, T-shirts. I think I said I was going to upload the last one, and I didn't. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do it today or not. However, sort of a combined thing between the T-shirts and... um, the GoFundMe Children's uh, Madison Childhood Cancer Foundation. Uh, apparently, yesterday, Mason Crosby's sister-in-law lost her fight with cancer. So, Mason's brother's wife. And, um, apparently, Mason has lost, and I might be getting this wrong, I believe it's his grandma, his grandpa, his uncle, and his wife and his brother's wife 
were both battling cancer, and his brother's wife just lost the battle yesterday. So, obviously that's horrible. I'm going to look and see. There's supposedly a way. I know we're already doing something, and I'm already asking you to help a cancer foundation thing, but supposedly there is a way for Teespring for me to set up proceeds to go to a charity. I'm going to message them, and what I'm going to try to do is create a uh, some kind of a Mason Crosby cancer t-shirt and see if they can have the proceeds go to uh, the... I believe what they're supporting is... Um, the uh, Vince Lombardi Cancer Foundation, which actually I, when I was younger, used to volunteer for that. And by volunteer, I mean I'd get a t-shirt and get to hang out at the golf tournaments. But we'll see. I, I want to look into that. Just want to give you a, a heads up about that. Because again, it's one of those things you read it and it just kind of punches you right in the heart. And it's like, ugh. just feel like you got to do something. I don't know. So, I don't know. Anyways, that's already in the works. If nothing else, just make sure you're praying for Mason and his family. I, I can't even really fathom not only how hard it would be to lose your sister-in-law, but to have it happen while you know your wife has cancer and you have kids and etc. etc. It's hard to even say the words, much less imagine being in his position. With that being said, I, I don't know if he's going to play. I'm guessing he is. Let me just say what everybody already knows. But to the one person that maybe hasn't made the connection, please, 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 I don't care if this guy misses every single field goal and extra point, don't be the guy that goes on and starts talking about we need to cut him, he's a bum. Maybe if that happens, we need to let him take some a few weeks off. All those are acceptable thoughts. But please don't be that guy or girl, although we know it's going to be a guy. Just keeping it real, man. I think that's about it. Why don't we take a break? And uh, we'll start digging into this here Packers-Giants game. Well, tomorrow's a big day. I'm guessing everybody that's going has already got their tickets, and everybody that's not going is just not going. That's fine. I'm not going. I can't be mad at you. However, let's not forget that some people have birthdays today or tomorrow or, you know, in the near future. It wouldn't be the worst idea if you're kind of stuck, because I know you are, because I'm stuck. wouldn't be the worst idea to pull out the old Vivid Seats app and see what's going on. Doesn't have to be on their birthday, right? Especially if it is today and you're like, I didn't even get them anything. Dude, you can just whip out. I mean, like, as you're sitting there at the birthday party, pull out the Vivid Seats app and just be like, uh, tickets, 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 boom. Here's like $15 tickets to some weird concert. I don't know. Here's Cirque du Soleil's in town. Cool. Boom. Done. And they're like, all right, what did you get me? And you're like, oh, you didn't think I got you something, son? Uh, right there. Cirque du Soleil. Clowns twirling and stuff, dude. I know that's how you roll. Love twirling clowns. And the great part, you're going to get those Vivid Seats rewards because you're in the loyalty program. It's backed by 100% buyer guarantee. And if it's your first time, I hope you entered promo code OVERTIME at checkout because you could receive up to a $100 discount. So don't panic. Just get the app out real sneaky-like. Buy you some tickets. And then just show them. Be like, boom, that's what I got you. Bep, don't worry about it. Just in case there's like a date or a timestamp or something on it, you just don't want to... Like, don't forward them the email confirmation because they're going to be able to see the date on there. So just be like, you know, don't worry about it. Something to think about. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view, 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, injury repuerto. The only guys that we had sitting out at any point was on Thursday, Mercedes Lewis did a uh, veteran rest day. I mean, I guess who cares anyways, right? I mean, legitimately, man, what what is one extra day of practice going to do for Mercedes Lewis? He just kind of is what he is, you know? He knows what he needs to do. He knows how to block. He knows all that stuff. He's not going to get better because he practiced on Thursday. And he's not going to get worse because he missed a day. So just let him sleep. Eat some, well, not, I don't want you to eat bad stuff, but, you know, watch Netflix, whatever it is you crazy kids do. But that's about it. Everybody else is pretty uh, pretty solid. You got a few bunch of limiteds, but um, this is the healthiest team I've ever seen in my life. I mean, legitimately, I, I don't even understand how this is possible to just never have hurt guys. Granted, Balaga did get hurt, but the guy's already up to being questionable. By the way, the questionables that we have are Brian Balaga, Will Redmond, and Tony Brown. The only one that matters, sounds harsh, but let's call it what it is. The only one that matters is Brian Balaga. Now, flip that to the other side. You look at the New York Giants. The um, They ha- only have five people on their report. The Packers always have like 65 because they just put the whole team on there. Because, you know, if you're out of breath, they're like, put them on the report. What do I put? I don't know. Just put full participation and he's fine to play. I just want him on the injury report. Okay. <laughs> The Giants, on the other hand, um, they've only got five people on the list. Four of them are already out. Zach Diossi, which you hear the name and you're like, never heard of him, probably doesn't matter. Actually, he's the long snapper, which explains why you haven't heard of him. However, kind of important. Golden Tate is out. Very important. Jabril Peppers, pretty arguable as far as whether or not he's a good football player, but still, starting safety being out, not a great thing. Tight end Evan Ingram. Super talented receiving tight end type guy. He's out. And Rhett Ellison, he doesn't have a game status, but he did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. He was not on the report Friday. Presumably he's going to be playing, but it's, you know, their number one tight end is out. Their top wide receiver is out. And their number two tight end is banged up. He had a concussion. So, not super great. So anybody that's listened for a while knows one of the things that I like to do when I'm looking at, you know, on Saturdays, how do you win, how do you lose, is to kind of look at the trends. And it gets a little cooler as you get toward the end of the season because you start to see some patterns. The problem is the Giants have only won two games, so finding a pattern in wins is nearly impossible, or losses for that matter, because they're all losses. But let's run through it anyways. So looking at points scored to see if there's a correlation between how many points, and the reason you do this is you watch the game and you say you just want to make sure that this isn't happening. As long as this, whatever this is, isn't happening... We're in pretty good shape. So in terms of points, with the exception of one win, which, again, it's hard to call any of this correlation with only two wins, but it sounds cooler if you say it this way. With the exception of one win, they have not lost a, not won a single game in which they didn't score 30 points. The reason being, as I've been saying for a long time, 
horrible defense. The offense hasn't even actually been all that bad. I mean, it's not good, but I mean, some of the higher scoring, they got 32, 27, 26, 24. It's not that, not that bad. Now, granted, you get beyond that, and it's, there's 18, 17, 14, 14, 14, 10. But most of those were earlier in the season anyways. But the, the two games they won, they scored 32 points and 24 points. So I guess the one thing that we can say is if they don't get to 20, they're not going to win. Any game they've scored under 24 points, they did not win. Which I'm guessing they're not the only team in, um, in football that can make that claim. However, when, you're, when your defense is as bad as this, yeah, you, you definitely want to make sure you get at least 24. And um, most of the games that they've played, they did not get to 24 points. Another interesting little tidbit, they beat the Washington Redskins when they got to 24 which is actually one of the few times that, oh my goodness, this defense is so bad. The only other game, which is just hilarious, that in which a team didn't get to 24 points, there's two games, one they won and one they lost. The one game was the Washington Redskins. The Redskins only scored three points against the Giants in week four. Three. We get to play them next week. The only other team that did not get to 24 points against this horrible defense is the Chicago Bears. The last game they played, they only scored 19 points. After that, the lowest scoring team was 27 points. So when you hear people say on Twitter and everywhere else, we better win by at least two touchdowns, we better get this, for real. I mean, this is somewhat of a lit, I mean, you know, yeah, a win is a win and that's cool. But if if this is something to being any kind of a statement game, if this is any kind of a you know, that was a fluke last week, and it has to do with Shanahan, and I, whatever, Aaron Rodgers was a little bit off, They, whatever. Only two teams have not gotten to 27. Only five teams have not gotten to 30. That's six out of 11 have gotten 30 or more points. By the way, not all of them are very good teams. The Detroit Lions scored 31. The Buccaneers scored 31. The New York Jets scored 34. The Cowboys got over 30 twice, and then the Patriots had 35 also. Six out of 11 teams have scored at least 30 points, or I should say more than 30 points. That's substantial. The teams that haven't, hilariously, are a lot of teams we have to play. The Redskins, the Bears, the Vikings. That makes up three of the five. The other two are the Bills and the Cardinals. And the Cardinals, Vikings, and Bills got 27 and 28. So, you know, again, 27 is the bare, bare minimum that I'm expecting. I don't care where they're playing. I don't care about any of that. Although the defense definitely plays better when they're at home. That's kind of crazy and interesting to notice. Of the six games in which a team got 30 or more points, or I should say over 30 points, five of them were on the road. Of the games in which they had allowed less than 30 points, four out of five were at home. So only one road game, they allowed less than 30 points. That was the Chicago Bears in Chicago. Only one home game, they allowed over 30 points. That was the Dallas Cowboys, who got 37. So that's a little interesting, I guess. Not that I'm super worried about it, but still interesting. By the way, still at home, 28 for the Bills, 28 for the Vikings, 27 for the Cardinals. So still, again, 27 at least. Please, thank you very much. Now, if we pair that up with the Packers right now, the Packers are are relatively simple. The offense needs to score 20 points, which really that puts a very positive spin on the defense because saying the statement kind of inherently says something about the defense. They have lost three games this year. Only one of them has come when the, the offense has scored more than 20 points, and that was the Philadelphia Eagles 
when the offense scored 27, but the defense gave up 34. And really, if you look at these, I know we got beat bad by the 49ers, 8-37, to but look at the defense in terms of scoring. I mean, and they are ranked 14th in points, which is pretty solid. The defense has only allowed more than 24 points in three games. They lost all three. So, I mean, it goes both ways, right? And, in fact, the defense is probably more indicative because it's a direct correlation. And I've been saying 24 points for a long time. That is the magic number. They allowed 26 to the Chargers, and they lost. They allowed 34 to the Eagles and 37 to the 49ers. They lost all three of those games. They only allowed 24 to the Raiders, to the Cowboys, to the Chiefs, 22 to the Lions, 16 to the Broncos, 16 to the Panthers, 16 to the Vikings, 3 to the Bears. They allowed 16 points in three games and 3 to the Bears. And you could say, yeah, those were the old games, but not really. It was week 10 against the Panthers when they got 16. And the loss to the uh, Eagles when they allowed 34 points was week 4. Week 7 and 8 was 24 points. So, I, you know. So the offense tends to win when they get above 20 points. The team loses when the defense gives up more than 24 points. So what are we looking for in terms of a score in general? Well, let's, let's put it this way. The Giants are 2-2 two and two when they score 24 or more points. We want to keep the Giants below 24 points. That's consistent with the Giants. And again, 24 has been the magic number all year. It's incredible. That is the number for the Giants. They're 2-2 two and two when they're 24 or above. The Packers are 0-3 when they allow a team over 24 points. We have to keep the Giants below 24 points or at 24 points. That's it. End of story. So again, 24 is the magic number of this game. Packers need to get past that. They should get at least 27. Packers defense needs to keep them no higher than 24. Now, if, if, if the score is 27-24, I'm not super thrilled about that, but it fits this little paradigm here. Um, looking at their yardage, basically the magic number is about 380. Um, 380 and above, they're 2-1. 370 and below, and they're just over. Otherwise, there's really just not a lot of turnovers. I mean, or excuse me, not a lot of correlation anywhere. Even turnovers, which is always a giant correlation. Um, offensive turnovers, obviously they lost. Well, they're 1-1 they're one one when they turned the ball over four times. So they actually won against the Washington Redskins, having turned the ball over four times. However, they also received the ball four They took away the ball four times. So it was actually a, an even number of turnovers. Yeah, the only other game that they won, they turned the ball over twice and only took the ball away once. So there just isn't really a strong correlation really anywhere, which is very unusual. Offensive yards and then the points, I guess, are the only things that we can really look at here. Um, Packers, just since we're on it, kind of a similar situation. Um, Turnovers do kind of have somewhat of an impact insofar as they've played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games with no turnovers and have won almost all of them, except they didn't turn the ball over against the Chargers and lost. They also won the game where they had the most turnovers, which was three. So again, not a super strong correlation, but there's a little something there. Defensive turnovers, though, very big correlation, and this is something that has been talked about quite a bit in terms of the Packers not getting turnovers lately and that having a negative impact. Every single game in which the defense has a turnover, they've won. Every single game. Bears, Chiefs, Panthers, Raiders, Broncos, Cowboys, Vikings. All those games had turnovers. All those games we won. Now, interest, something else that's interesting, in every game that the Packers have gotten a turnover, the offense has not turned the ball over, except for the Vikings game, but we had four turnovers in that game. Or we got four turnovers, so... We turned it over twice, we got it back four times, so we had a plus two on that. Three of the four games where we turned the ball over, we had zero turnovers. So against the Lions, we turned the ball over three times, got it back zero. Against the 49ers, we turned it over once, didn't get it back. We turned it over twice against the Eagles and never got the ball. 
Chargers, there were zero turnovers in the entire game. So the turnover ratio in the games that we lost was three giveaways and no get-backs-aways. So the turnover thing has been kind of a nightmare, and that needs to get going here. And Daniel Jones would be a fantastic quarterback to take advantage of. Uh, Something else to check out here, and I don't think I've done this all year, but Pro Football Focus also has grades, but on a week-to-week basis. And it's kind of neat to look at because you can see, first of all, in the games that they won, what were the things they excelled at, what are the things that they've not been super great at, but also as the season has gone on, what have they gotten better at, what have they gotten worse at. So kind of just going through this, there hasn't been any real growth or regression as far as their overall grade. Now, again, please keep in mind that this has a lot to do with the competition they're going up against. So it's not a matter of this guy's really good. It's a matter of this guy won. So if Kenny Clark is going up against the best center in football and doesn't get home, he doesn't get a good grade for that. If he's going up against the worst center in football and he wins, he's going to get a great grade for that. It's the same Kenny Clark, but it's really just a matter of win-loss. So there's some outliers. For example, against the Washington Redskins, the Giants had an elite defensive grade with an elite run defense grade, a very good tackling grade, and a borderline elite coverage grade. I'm guessing that has a lot to do with the, the Washington Redskins offense more than anything, just not winning. Um, so just keep that in mind. Again, nothing as far as the overall that has really improved. The offense is kind of the same thing. They had basically two good games, week one and week eight, with a ton of average mixed in. Now, if anything, there's been a bit of a regression because from weeks one through week eight, they were good to average with the exception of one game against the New England Patriots. They had a grade of 59.4. So 60s and 70s all the way through week eight, since week eight. So we're talking weeks nine, 10, and 12. The offensive grades have been 56-5, 59-1, and 59-1. So they haven't even been average in the last three weeks on offense. Passing has been unbelievably sporadic. This is mostly going to be for the quarterback, but there's some wide receiver stuff mixed in and everything else. But the passing game as a whole, extremely erratic. So 60s, 50s, 60, 50, 60, 40, 60, 70, 60, 50, 50. So the last two weeks, again, have been bad, but it's been wildly up and down. Pass blocking, same kind of situation, 70, 60, 60, 70, 60, 60, 60, 50, 60, 60, 60. All right, no real correlation there. Uh, receiving, exact same thing, 50, 60s, and 70. Uh, rushing the ball, this is the one thing that's really interesting because they have Saquon Barkley and you just assume it's going to be awesome. And because there's already a run blocking grade, they do have the ability to some degree to separate out the running ability and the run blocking ability. So you can have a bad run blocker and still a good run grade. I have to assume there's a little bit of bleed over. So if you have no blocking whatsoever and you're getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage on every play, I don't believe it's very possible for you to have an elite grade. It's just not possible. However, still, it's not only bad, but I believe it's getting worse. So you've got a bunch of 60s, 70s, and 180 in week two. The two lowest running grades, though, came in weeks 9 and 10, with a slight bounce back against the Bears, but a a 50.0 in week 9 and a 46.6 against the Jets in week 10. It just hasn't been working. And the run blocking has been pretty stagnant, 40s, 50s, and 60s. The only good run blocking grade was week one. Since then, it's been nothing good. So that's it for the offense, just nothing. Uh, With the offense overall getting worse, both passing and running the ball have gotten worse, and nothing really has gotten better in that period of time. Defensively, you can argue they've taken a really big step. Uh, The worst that they were were the first two weeks of the season. They got that weird outlier in week four where they had an elite grade, but we can almost just throw that out. But since week uh, eight, the defensive grades have been 75, which is good, 57, which is below average, 69, which is basically good, and 78. 
However, again, you know, one of those games was Detroit or no, Dallas. So you, no, it was Detroit. So never mind. No, these are all probably garbage. You got Detroit, the Jets, and the Bears. So yeah. I don't want to completely rule it out because it, especially if you look at kind of just everything. Run defense, their grades in the last four weeks have been 83-54 against the Cowboys, 89-87. and 87. So if nothing else, it seems as though the run defense has been getting a little better. I know the competition has gone south, but eh, I'm not going to go out of my way to call them bad. Same with tackling, exact same situation. Now the fact that it's exactly the same, weeks 8, bad in week 9 against the Cowboys, and then good against the Jets and Bears again, there's got to be something to do with the level of competition, but I'm just I'm not ready to say it's everything. Pass rush has just been bad all year. The only good grade they've had the entire year is week eight against Detroit, and it was 71. They have got one of the worst pass rush teams in football. They absolutely need to have the second pick and need to just pray and pray and pray and pray that the Bengals take a quarterback so that they can get Chase Young. This is a team that needs Chase Young like nothing else. However, I'm working on a mock right now, and I got Cincinnati taking Chase Young. I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but I just want to try it and see what happens and just make make fake Jake Giants fans cry again and then coverage has just been really pretty terrible with some glimpses of decent so 30 30 50 and then you got the borderline elite against the Redskins because it's the Redskins back down to the 30s 50 which is one of their highest games but still below average a 70 against the Cardinals so something there 60 60 40 and then 70 against the Bears because it's you know the Bears so more than anything, the wide receivers need to absolutely dominate this game. There is no pass rush and some of the worst coverage in all of football. Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, I don't care who it is, you need to be able to decimate this cornerback group. DeAndre Baker is about as bad as it gets in football. I think I told you yesterday they have two of the worst corners in football. Period. Starting. This is as ugly as it gets. This should be pitch and catch. This is like playing backyard football with your friends versus your older brother and his friends. It's not really very fun, and it's not really close. And nobody wanted to play except your older brother because he wants the opportunity to hurt you real bad when he tackles you. That's really the only thing he wants to be able to do is to have an excuse to hit you because that's just what brothers kind of do. And then special teams, it's just it's not great. They had two very, very good games in weeks two and three. Since then, it's been a whole lot of average or just bad. It's just a bad football team across the board. It's bad. So, you know, there's a lot of people, well, I wouldn't just count it out. And it's true that there are definitely times when teams nearly win games that they shouldn't. You know, the, the Vikings almost lost to the Denver Broncos, and the Saints almost lost to this team, and Seattle almost lost to this, and almost, 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 almost every week somebody's almost losing to a team they shouldn't lose to. I, no, not, no. No, I'm, I'm not, we're not talking about, that's not a thing. They can't cover. They can't rush. Maybe they're okay against the run, but just not buying it. We got Aaron Jones, so sorry. They were garbage against the Cowboys. They were garbage against the Bills. They were garbage against the Buccaneers. They were garbage against the Vikings, against the Patriots, against the Cardinals, and against the Cowboys again, as far as stopping the run. So sorry, no excuses allowed. They can't do anything. They can't pass. They can't run. They can't block. Can't catch. There's nothing here. I don't know what else to say. So anyways, let's take our final break and see if we can dig out a few more little gems before we call this thing a day. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. 
So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so you wanted some more deep dives, and I love when stuff like this happens. I had mentioned before, when I looked at the 49ers game, um, two of the games in which the 49ers had the most points scored against them, the highest graded players on both of those games for the opponents, so we're talking about the Seattle Seahawks, and the Arizona Cardinals had the two highest point totals against the 49ers in both of those games. The Carolina or the Cardinals and the Seahawks both had tight ends as their highest graded players. So I wanted to dig in a little bit for the Giants. And I looked at the two games that the Giants won and I looked at their offensive uh, performers, just everybody on offense and the grades that they had. And I looked at every single game that they had lost. Interestingly, the two games in which they won, the highest graded offensive player on the team was Sterling Shepard. Doesn't seem all that surprising because they don't have that many solid players and, you know, he's a pretty decent player. So I looked at every other game. Sterling Shepard was the top performer in exactly zero other game. Zero. So in every game in which Sterling Shepard was the highest performing player, in every game in which Sterling Shepard went off and had a great game, they won. Now, that doesn't mean very much when you play the Washington Redskins and the Redskins only score three points. However, when we're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who put up 31 points and the Giants are able to stay ahead and score 32 points, it's kind of important. It matters how in the world does this terrible Giants offense get to be rumbling down the field and score that many points. It's because Mr. Sterling Shepard just went off. Now, Evan Ingram also had a great uh, day. He was the second highest, and, and Evan Ingram is it's it's important because in a lot of these games, Evan Ingram was one of the top guys. I think he was the second highest graded offensive player against the um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But if you look at that game, which is the, the nightmare scenario where the offense throws up 31 points and the defense gives up 32 to this garbage team, Evan Ingram, who is out, by the way, which, again, very, very important, Eight targets, six receptions, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Sterling Shepard, nine targets, seven receptions for 100 yards and a touchdown. Outside of that, they don't have a lot of really good players. So with Golden Tate being out and with Evan Ingram being out, there's no question Sterling Shepard is in, and again, it's weird because they have a really good running back, but as far as their ability to pass the ball, there's no question that there's one guy the Packers need to take away and they have to take him away. And as far as I'm concerned, this is a perfect Jair matchup. And I think Jair should just stay on him. Sterling Shepard is five foot ten, 194 pounds, around a four four eight forty. He's a smaller, quicker little guy. Now, if they decide to go three wide, which they might at times, Shepard goes into the slot. But I'm not worried about that. I think Tremont can handle his business in there. What I don't want, and I think this is relatively evident as to why, I don't want Shepard having King put on him. I just don't. I know Jair isn't a perfect corner, and neither is Tremont. But what we can't have is Shepard having a giant game. 
And although, although that one play maybe wasn't King's fault, we've got the cornerback who's given up more yards to any receiver than any corner in all of the NFL right now in Kevin King. I don't want the Giants to have the opportunity to blow this one open because we put King on Shepard and Shepard ends up going off for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Shepard is only one of two players on this entire offense who has an even good grade. He has the highest grade of anybody on this team to 74.1. Right guard Kevin Zeitler, I think his name is Kevin, yeah, Kevin Zeitler is the only other one with a 70.9. He's just barely a 70. Even Saquon Barkley has a 64. Nobody in this offense can do anything but Darius Shepard. Take him away. Take him away. Get to the quarterback. They're not going to score a lot of points. That's it. That's it. And again, defensively, we should be able to do pretty much whatever we want. Ballantine and Baker are the worst corners in football. They do not have linebackers. They got a couple defensive tackles who are pretty good against a run. So what? Jimmy Graham needs to be able to beat these linebackers. Every single one of our wide receivers should be able to beat every single one of these corners. This is the only time I've ever seen a matchup where I can say definitively that our wide receivers are better than their corners. By a mile. This should be the stomping of a lifetime. End of story. I got nothing else for you. That's it. There are, there are no redeemable attributes here. And I don't care who's playing right tackle if it's Berlaga or Light. Marcus Golden is hot garbage. I mean, I, that's it. I, I have nothing else. This game is going to be easy, and next week's going to be easier. Because I think the Redskins are even worse, and that one's at home. Stay healthy. Get your swag back. Stomp these teams out like they're nothing. Gear up for the Vikings. That's it. We'll talk more about the implications of some of these other games and what the Vikings got going on, et cetera, et cetera, tomorrow. But uh, that's going to be it for today. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Saturday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>